0: the Success Story Podcast. Uh, Thanks again for joining me. I am sitting down with Emily Liebert who was born and raised in New York City. Um, She is a a seven-time best-selling author. Uh, She has an incredible career. Uh, I want to just run through some of the highlights of her career, but then I'm going to pass it over to her to really just dive into how she got to where she is today. Um, So she has been featured in various outlets such as Today Show, Rachel Ray Show, Anderson Cooper, Fox, uh, Oprah Radio, Martha Stewart, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, InStyle, People Style Watch, Good Housekeeping, OK, Nylon, Woman's World, New York Post, New York Daily, Chicago Tribune, Boston Herald, People.com, Huffington Post, all the major outlets. Um, she has had an incredible career. As you know, in 2000, she was starting as editor in chief of. The Wag magazine, a luxury lifestyle publication covering Westchester and Fairfield counties, uh, she was there for five years, and she wrote hundreds of articles, including celebrity profiles, travel, fashion, and beauty. Uh, and then in 2009, she was uh, she edited Kerry Kennedy's New York Times bestseller, "Being Catholic Now: Prominent Americans Talk About Change in the Church and the Quest for Meaning." And after 2009 is when Emily. Started her first, uh, her first book, Facebook Fairy Tales, which was a media sensation that sparked intense conversation about the power, the positive power of Facebook. Uh, shortly thereafter, Emily was hired by Microsoft as a spokesperson for Bing's partnership with Facebook and appeared in 30 plus television and radio spots for the brand, uh, which was an incredible run. And then she went on to write, uh, apologies, six, six novels total. Um, which led to you know her career where it is today as a writer, um, as a personality, as somebody who's written on and spoken on a variety of different topics, both in her career and then obviously now what she's doing with her own personal brand. Um, I'm very excited to learn about you know how you got to to where you are today because it seems like a very interesting career path that led you to write novels, work with some of the largest brands, be featured in literally the 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 who's who of where you want to be featured in terms of you know all these different um press outlets and whatnot so very very excited to unpack that and uh and understand your story so thank you
1: thank you for having me it's really exciting and actually when you read back all those things to me sounds really impressive but I'm sort of like who is that person like did I really do all those things yeah
0: um, and you look back it's it's, they a come
1: lot. it's me So when you sort of like read it all together like that it sounds <laughs> like wow but <laughs> um well, listen so it's, yeah.
0: it's well deserved you've done you've done a ton of stuff and I, I I get it like it's like over your career it's true you've 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 gone into editing into publishing into writing into brand evangelism and, and obviously marketing, like, you know, sort of transcend, uh, transcends all of these different fields, but just like start from the beginning. How, where did you start off first when sure. you, when you got your career started?
1: So um, when I graduated from college, I was very fortunate to get my first job at ABC news working for um, Peter Jennings. And I knew that I always wanted to tell stories and be in the journalism world in some way. I was an English language and literature major. I had always loved telling stories from a very early age. And um, so I got that job and I worked in television news for a little over two years. And I think by that point, I, I looked up the ladder and I realized that I didn't want those jobs that were above me um it wasn't a career that I saw myself following long term and what I really wanted to do was write so I applied to a bunch of magazines to become an editor and at the time I was moving out of New York City to Westchester which is a suburb of New York City and there was a magazine called The Wag which is a luxury lifestyle magazine. It covers travel, beauty, celebrities, food, all that fashion, all of that fun stuff. And um, I was hired to be the editor of the magazine. I was 24 years old. I had never worked at a magazine before. And I was basically hired to be the editor-in-chief of this magazine by a woman named Marianne Lieber, who, you will notice, has the same last name as I do. But I did not know her at the time. She is now my mother-in-law.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, okay. I understand. I was going to say, is this, a, is this like a, a nepotism it not a coincidence. story? No, it, well, it
1: was a coincidence <laughs> that I met her, but it was not a coincidence uh, that we had the same last name. I ended up eventually marrying her son, although when she hired me,
0: we not were strangers. Okay.
1: And um, she hired me, and I was the editor-in-chief of the WAG for five years. Um, I did everything for the magazine. I assigned the articles, um, you know, had a small staff, um, went to all the events. It was really fun. Interviewed tons of celebrities for the cover articles, and it was really a great time. I loved doing that job. And, um, I ultimately, after five years, decided that it was time to pass the baton on because I felt that I had done everything I could there at the magazine. And I spent a couple of years freelance writing. I was a travel writer for many years. I wrote for Rob Report, Elite Traveler, Cottages and Gardens. Um, I continued to write celebrity profiles, food, fashion, beauty, all of that. for multiple national magazines. And um, then it came a time where two things happened. One, um, freelance writing sort of started taking a downturn and people were bringing a lot of the freelance writing Mm in-house. So it wasn't freelance anymore. They were having their editors write articles rather than paying freelancers a lot of money. And I sort of came to the conclusion that I wanted to sink my teeth into bigger, longer term projects rather than just constantly turning over um, multiple articles a week. So I had the amazing opportunity to edit Carrie Kennedy's book. Carrie Kennedy is Robert Kennedy, Robert Methel Kennedy's daughter, one of their daughters, one of their many children. And um, that really introduced me to the book world. And I, after I was done editing that book for Carrie, I said to myself, I wanna do this for myself. I wanna write a book. And so I wrote a novel, which has never seen the light of day. And I was fortunate enough to get an agent with that novel, which hmm. it sounds like one, two, three, I just got an agent, but you actually have to write a whole novel when you're writing fiction unlike nonfiction where you can write a proposal and a couple of sample chapters with fiction. It's so based on your writing that they need to see that you can actually write the whole book. So I wrote the whole book. I sent it to I cold queried about 80 agents. And I was very, very lucky. And I ended up getting, I think three offers, which is a lot. And, um, I, went with this agent who I loved. And as we started editing this novel together before she submitted it, I came up with the idea for what was actually my first book, which is called Facebook Fairy Tales. And that was a book which is 25 amazing stories that came from Facebook connections. And it was very timely because this was in 2009 and Facebook was just sort of exploding in the media mm-hmm. and in the world outside of colleges. And I was very fortunate that Facebook supported the book, not financially, but got behind yeah. me. And they gave me um, an interview with Mark Zuckerberg for The Forward, which was huge because I think at the time he had only interviewed with like Oprah and like yeah. Leslie Stahl or Diane Sawyer or someone. It was a real coup and really exciting. And so you were right when you said I've written seven books. It's just that only six of them have been knocked because Facebook fairy tales is actually narrative nonfiction. So I understand. I, was able I thought to I saw that number somewhere book on a Sorry. proposal and a couple of sample yeah. chapters. And we said, "Okay, let's put this first novel aside. Let's get Facebook fairy tales out because it needs to come out right now," which we did. And by the time Facebook fairy tales came out, I already had an idea for another novel and I The novel that has never seen the light of day was loosely based on my life and my experience, and I no longer felt that it needed to see the light of day. It was cathartic writing it, and that was enough for me. So I wrote, then I wrote You Knew Me When, and um, I got a two-book deal with Penguin Random House for what ended up being You Knew Me When and When We Fall, my first two novels. So, my second and third books, but my first and second novels. And then I stayed with Penguin Random House for my next two novels called Those Secrets We Keep and Some Women. And after that, I decided that I wanted to mix things up a little bit and start adding some psychological suspense to make my books a little edgier. And I decided I needed a whole fresh start and a whole fresh team for that. So I moved over from Penguin Random House to Simon & Schuster. And I wrote my first, what I would say is psychological suspense, but I think that Pretty Revenge and Perfectly Famous, both of my psychological suspense books with Simon & Schuster, really straddle the line between that and women's fiction still. So um, while it's, a little bit edgier and a little bit of a departure. It's not a complete departure from what, from the women's fiction novels that I was writing. And so I am now with Simon & Schuster, perfectly famous, just came out on June 2nd. And this is Pretty Revenge, which came out last year. You can see the covers are similar. It's kind of a branding.
0: Yeah, I see. I'll put the links in the show notes too. So if people are listening, then they uh, they can go check it out.
1: And uh now I'm writing my eighth book uh with Simon and Twister as well. Oh, and I should also say that during that time I had a very fun experience of ghostwriting a book for Teresa judice who is one of the real housewives of New Jersey. So
0: so. <laughs> so you like you just went head first into this and you had you had uh, like you know, you had some success. And like you said, I guess it was almost like the when you when you put it out to 80 publishers, you got three offers that kind of like defined the career path, but. Those were actually agents or agents so you have excuse to get me. An
1: agent before you ha- get a publisher You okay, get an okay. agent. And once you have an agent, they sell your book to a publishing house.
0: But that's, that's a huge, that's a huge, like, sort of like leap into the deep end of, of writing. And now, now look at you. So is that, <laughs> is that like, is that like a nerve wracking thing? Like when someone wants to, this is this seemed to be, I don't want to say passion project because it seems like diminish the value of what you've done, but was it, was it uh, very scary, just nerve wracking to go in and start just writing this whole book? That's time and energy and effort and totally pivoting from a career path, like a traditional career path. Excuse me.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely taking a chance. Um, As I said, since you do have to write a whole novel before you get an agent, you are taking a chance, especially these days. It is, so hard to sell books you are taking a chance that you will write an entire book and nothing will happen with it you can always self-publish it I mean there's that but um but yeah it's definitely a a risk and, and, and just to be clear I didn't just stop freelance writing and you know give up all the money and write yeah. a book I kept freelance writing while I was writing the book until I could you know make money from writing.
0: and and I want to ask because this is, these are just the questions that I thought of when I think about writing and why people have trouble writing. I think, I think being able to write is like, quite honestly one of the most important skills, like truly writing impactful things. And I just don't mean in a novel, but I mean as like building out your own brand, blogging, uh, writing copy for websites, writing newsletters to you know go sell your product. I think, I think writing is so important, but what, what allows you to be able to write? What stops you from having, I guess, quote unquote, writer's
1: block? So I do, you know, get asked a lot about writer's block. I don't, I, I don't want to say I don't get writer's block. There are certainly days that it's easier to write and others that it's not, but I don't get writer's block in the sense where weeks or months go by and I just can't put anything down on the page. Um, I have deadlines. It's like someone else being say, saying I have job block," you know, like I can't do my job. <laughs> um, so yes, there are days you're better at your job than others. Yes, there are days that the words blow onto the page, and there are days that it's a struggle. But typically, when I push myself to get those first words down and those first sentences down, it does start rolling from there. And additionally, I have an outline. So it's not just like this big surprise, what I'm going to write every day. I do know what's coming next. And that does help inspire you to write that.
0: And then what what is that inspiration that you, like, what drives what you write about? Where do you get that inspiration? Or better question, actually, where do you get an idea for a book?
1: So I get ideas from my own life, from my friends' lives, from the things that I observe. Um, My books are not historical fiction. They're not science fiction. They're not you know, aliens coming from another planet. So they are based on real life, what women go through, friendship, relationship. Um, You know, in the case of Perfectly um, Famous, it's about a mother's loss of a child. It's about two women who have big voids in their lives that they're looking to try to fill. And I think that women and men go through different stages in life where you want different things where you lose things as you get older you lose people you lose relationships you gain people you gain relationships, jobs change houses change and i write about all of those life changes
0: if you want like you know i even if you want to just put it since we're already sort of speaking about it Um, If you want to do a a brief summary of what Perfectly Famous is about. So if people are listening to get a little bit more context, I don't mind at all. So go for it. And then we can go back into some of the questions.
1: So Perfectly Famous is about two strong women. Um, One is named Ward DeFleur, and she is a very, very famous crime novelist. She's just written her 13th book, Lucky Number 13. And she is at her first book signing at the very beginning of the book when you find out that her teenage daughter, Stevie, has been abducted and killed. And she freaks out, obviously, flees her town in Connecticut where she lives, and nobody can find her. She reneges on all of her book deals, and she goes into kind of a secluded depression. Enter a second woman named Bree Bennett, who is also enduring a different kind of void in her life, a lesser void, obviously, which is that she's recently divorced, and she also has a teenage daughter who no longer needs her and she's struggling to figure out what her purpose in the world is. She's a former journalist, she's been a housewife for many years, and she decides it's time to go back to work. And in doing that, she decides she's going to find her favorite author, Ward DeFleur, tell War- Ward's story to the world. And in doing so, she gets entangled with Ward's daughter, Stavies Keller.
0: I like the plot, that's very good, that's very good. Um, when did that, that just came out now, right? Uh, recently. It just so, came right?
1: out June 2nd. Yeah.
0: Very good. Okay. Um, and uh, just a couple more questions about the whole, the, the whole writing process.
1: Sure. Um,
0: how do you, how do you, cause you have, you have six novels out and have all six hit the bestseller list?
1: They've hit bestseller list.
0: Yeah. So what, what is the formula for a bestseller? What, what do you need to write Nobody about? Nobody knows. No <laughs> <laughs>
1: If I could tell you that, I would have to kill you. I have yeah. no idea. I don't know how it happens. I mean, I know it happens through sales. Yeah. But you have to um, be, you can't just be someone who writes the book. You have to know how to promote yourself, do PR and marketing. My publishing house does that for me. But I also do it for myself. And I hire a publicist outside of my publishing house, who you know. Kathleen Carter, who's amazing, and um, I work really hard to make sure that everyone knows about my book. I post on social media. I do giveaways. I send out emails. I actually partner with a brand for each of my books, which um, I don't know any authors aside from myself that do this, so I've partnered with nail polish brands, lipstick brands, I've partnered with um, general makeup brands. I've partnered with Canyon Ranch, um, with Perfectly Famous. I partnered with Waffle, which is a intimate brand, um, bras and underwears. And we launched a campaign called "The Perfect Fit," which is your perfect fit book and your perfect fit bra and undies.
0: That's smart. That's very uh, smart. Very smart. And I'm I saw dependent. your Instagram. It's really like it's really well done.
1: Yeah. I did a point of vignettes for the brand um, about, you know, being fitted for a bra and um, what kind of bra you wear when you're working out, when you're getting dressed up. Um, We did one very interesting vignette where I was posing in my waffle bra and underwear on my porch at (laughs) sunrise with no makeup on. (laughs) Um, My very talented friend, Jen Goldberg, who's a Photographer. She has a private portrait part of her company, which is sort of boudoir photography. And during um, the pandemic, she was doing front porch photos at sunrise. And we decided it would be great to bring this into the Waffle Partnership. And so I posed for her series in my Waffle Braun underwear. After that, I noticed that a lot of people that were posing for her were in robes. And nightgowns and pajamas. Since I was one of the first. Whatever.
0: It was your, your, your being was. your honest, true self. That's all that matters, right? <laughs> that
1: is for sure. And this is my honest, true self, too. This is zero makeup. This is exactly how I woke up this morning with messy hair and no makeup. So um, this is me. Take it or leave it.
0: <laughs> it's, it no, it's good. That's, that's how you got to be. And I think that, you know, I've seen. Every time I speak about just marketing, obviously not just marketing books, but just marketing in general, it's always about being like authentic. Because that's what people get, like, not that you buy into it.
1: It's just real, real, you know? (laughs) There's this girl right here who's also me, but that's me with hair and makeup.
0: (laughs) And, And how did you, I guess, I guess my question is, this is a funny, okay, so the reason why I'm asking this is because I see a lot of people that. That sell books or sell products, and they and they don't quite get everything you just mentioned about how to market, how to be personal, how to be authentic, partnerships, and all this stuff. And and it and you do see it obviously at the upper echelons, but it it takes a lot to get there. But you're just sort of taking this on on your own. Where did you learn to do this? Where did you learn to market? How did you sort of understand that this is how you bring a, a book or a product to? And you're doing IG, like you're doing Instagram lives, like you're doing everything,
1: like um, you're killing it. You know- Thank you. I think it's all a progression. Um, it doesn't all come at once. But when I wrote Facebook fairy tales, I had a lot of luck getting publicity because it was about Facebook. Facebook was exploding in the media. It was sort of this chicken soup for the soul mm-hmm. kind of book, these amazing stories. And people eat that stuff up. They yeah. love to hear about that. And so I as You read before. I was on The Today Show. I was on Rachel Ray, Anderson Cooper. And I got so much attention for that book. And when I wrote a novel, I was told immediately, do not expect this kind of publicity for a novel. And I thought to myself, well, that makes sense. You know, there aren't these sort of aspects to it, like the Facebook aspect, the Mark Zuckerberg aspect, the, you know, amazing stories aspect. It's just a book that came from my mind and there are a lot of authors with a lot of novels. So I knew I had to do something to set myself apart. And somewhere in this brain of mine, I came up with the idea of approaching a nail polish company and seeing if they would make a nail polish set named after the book and after my characters that we could send to everybody in the press and do giveaways with, and I could bring to my events. And it just, Really worked (laughs) amazingly. And I got, I worked with a company called Zoya, which makes amazing nail polish. And um, it got the book so much publicity outside of book websites or book, you know, magazines that write articles. It was in like In Style Magazine and on Refinery 29 and in Pop Sugar and all these places where something, just a book, might not get attention, but all of a sudden there's this nail polish that. And the polishes are named for my characters and it's a cute sort of tie-in so um that worked really well I also knew to hire a publicist outside of my publishing house because while the publicists at the publishing house are amazing they have 10 15 god knows how many books they're working on at the same time Yeah. so um I stuck with the partnerships after that the brand partnership and I just knew I had to be really good on social media. I knew that, that creating like good, interesting content was really important because you have to think about what you like to see in other people's content. Um, and I think people want to see the real you and they want to see you talking and what are you wearing and what are you eating and what is your life like outside of writing books? You know, what do you do with your kids and also like that you're not perfect and you're not that girl on the book with your hair blown out and your perfect makeup. And I don't know, they probably took away half my wrinkles too, and some like, you know, (laughs) Photoshop thing that they do with those pictures. Um, And specifically when I realized, which I fortunately realized very early on during the pandemic that I was not going to be able to do a physical book tour which I did already have set up, um, I pivoted. And this was, I mean, I knew knew in April. I think so many people were holding out, saying June's going to be fine. It's still two months away. You're going to be fine. And my husband and I were sitting here saying, there is no way I'm going on book tour in June. And I pivoted, and I set up probably probably close to like 30 events for myself, different um, anything from Zoom events to Instagram lives. And I also really tried to mix it up. Like I tried to do some lives with bookstagrammers. I did some with celebrities. I kicked it off with Melissa Joan Hart, which was great. And we did it pre-publication. I did one with Lindsey Zarniak, who's a sportscaster. and i did some with people who do um beauty and books there were just a lot of interesting i did one with one of the real housewives margaret joseph there were a lot of interesting personalities interesting people um i've done a, a bunch of podcasts interviews for magazines newspapers you you have to saturate you have to mm-hmm. make sure people are just seeing the book over and over because as i'm sure you know in marketing, people don't always buy the book the first time they see it, but the 10th time they see it, they're wondering, yeah. why have I seen this book 10 times?
0: Yeah, it takes quite a bit. It takes quite a bit of exposure before somebody actually makes it. And it obviously depends on what the, the dollar value of the item is. But for even for something that's only like, how much is the book? Like 20 bucks, 30 bucks at most?
1: Um, I think minor. minor. No 15. no,
0: fifteen. So 15
1: even fifteen, it's gonna be. Yeah. you know, you're
0: so, you're so I'm oversaturated.
1: $15.99. Yeah,
0: you'll you'll have to see that book a few times before you're like, oh wait, who is this? Who is this woman? I see her everywhere. I see this book everywhere, and then and eventually, I do to
1: giveaways to yeah. to for get to get more people to follow me. The more people to follow you, the more people you can reach. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. No, it's I very, very smart.
1: my posts sometimes so that I can reach wider groups of people and cast the net wider
0: um no but it's very smart I just uh I I noticed that I didn't realize that you were doing a lot of this stuff yourself um so just you know it's it's even more impressive because it's really well done like I it's really really well done and I think that you're 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 nailing it and like I think that's a differentiator that a lot of people that do their own thing could be writing a book it could be any side hustle like the ability to access people through social and being personal and being human and being your authentic self and marketing that can can drive massive traffic, even if you aren't, you don't have like a million dollar ad budget, right? And I think that's what you're sort of showcasing here. It's your and you I and you're so don't have a
1: million dollar ad budget.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you're doing you're doing this a good job. My money maker. This
1: face with no makeup. On.
0: <laughs> um, I have, I have just, I have one more question, just about, uh, about the book and and publishing and and writing. And then I just have some rapid fire just about insights that you've learned from your life. Um, So just one, one sort of roundup question. Uh, What's, what's something, or is there something that I should have asked you about writing or publishing that I don't know enough about the topic to ask you that you would say people should uh, sort of take note of?
1: Um, I think one thing that people who are looking to write a book need to know about is rejection. (laughs) I hate to say it, but there's a lot of rejection in this industry. I think being, becoming an author is almost like saying I'm going to become an actress or I'm going to become, I don't know, a chef or, or something where there are a lot of talented people competing and doing the same thing. And um, I think that you have to develop a tough skin and. That's my dog making noises in the background. It Doesn't the way. matter. This um, is the
0: new reality. This is this know, is work right? from home. It's not a big deal. Um,
1: I think you have to develop a thick skin, and you have to know how to be knocked down and brush yourself off and pick yourself back up. Um, another thing is sometimes books get turned into TV shows or movies, and Pretty Revenge came out last July was optioned for a television series and some fabulous writers were hired. So that is in the works now. And-
0: Congratulations, that's amazing. Fingers
1: crossed, grain of salt, you know, until it is on the air, I don't believe it, but it's always fun to have someone at least think that your book could be a television show.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, so that so. just shows you like, you know, Just, just do, and then as you're saying, like with your marketing, you're pivoting and you're sort of learning, but you're also opening yourself up to other opportunities that weren't initially presented. So those are two great lessons, uh, and especially the rejection one. I think that's very important, not from a you know like not to not try, but just be realistic about expectations too. Um. Okay. So uh, I think that there was I think that's pretty good. We covered a lot of like your career in the book. Is that we're good there? Okay. So let's uh, let's go into some life lesson like insight questions. Sure. Um. So what would be one lesson uh, that you would tell your younger self?
1: I would tell my younger self not to apologize as much. I think that women in business, especially when they're writing emails for some reason and following up and pushing and nudging to get something, they often, and I know I'm have been very guilty of this in the past, and I don't do it anymore, say, I'm really sorry to nudge you, or I'm really sorry to push or follow up again, or, or you'll hear people say, um, sorry, but I hope it's okay if I ask you about this. What, what are you apologizing for? I don't hear men apologize very, very often in emails or when they're speaking to someone. They just ask for what they want. And I think that I would tell my younger self just to ask for what I want. And it's always okay to ask. If people say no, they say no.
0: That's a very, that's something I've never thought of before, but that's a very smart lesson. It's a very smart lesson. Um, what's, what's one thing about yourself that people uh, misunderstand about a successful writer?
1: So I'm very type A. And I really push for what I want. And I try not to take no for an answer unless it's a hard no, in which case I take it. Because you have to take a hard no. You have to know when to stop. Um, but I think sometimes that can come off as that I'm just this tough, you know, hard as nails person all the time. And while I am that way a lot in business, because business is business, that's not actually my personality <laughs> in real life. Um, I'm a mother. I have two little boys. Um, I'm actually, I hope, a reasonably nice person. <laughs> I think so,
0: but I also think you're. I, I also think you're not wrong in being tough. I think that I think you have to have that persona when you go into negotiations. Not 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 mean, not aggressive, no, but just like to tough respect. and know what you stand for. But no, you seem, you seem a very nice person. So I'm not, <laughs> um, very good. Um, what, would, what would be, this is a big question, but I like to ask it because it's, it's so topical now with all the social justice issues that are going on. What would be one thing that we could all do to make the world a slightly better place?
1: I think people can put their time and their money where their mouth is. So I'm actually glad that you asked this question because this book, Perfectly Famous, Came out on Blackout Tuesday.
0: Oh, I didn't realize that.
1: Which is, I'm not going to lie, a rough day to launch your book because um, you can't promote it, (laughs) as I learned. Um, And it's not appropriate to promote it. So not only did I not promote it that day, but I did not do any events that week. If someone put something up, I shared it, but I didn't initiate my own promotion for that entire week. And I pushed. of my events off that week and some even the following week. And I thought to myself, I can go on social media and post a bunch of memes about this, like a lot of people are doing, who by the way, did not care about any of this one week ago until it became trendy. Or I can put my money where my mouth is. So I decided to donate a portion of the sales to a human rights charity that was working for Black Lives Matter. And what I wanted to to do was do that, but I didn't want to jump to figure out what organization it was going to be within 24 hours, because that also seemed inauthentic to me. So I took a week to do my research, learn, listen to other people. And then I called my friend, Carrie Kennedy, which was actually my first instinct anyway. And she is the president of the Robert F. Kennedy human rights organization and i asked her are you guys doing specific work for black lives matter are you bolstering black led communities organizations businesses and she said 150 percent, we are and you know i will make sure any money that you donate gets put to good use Mm -hmm. so when you buy perfectly famous a portion of the proceeds are going to rsk human rights and being put to use for black lives matter so i say Put your money and your time where your mouth is. Don't just start throwing up memes on Instagram and think that that's
0: enough. Very good. Very very happy with that answer. Um, Just because that's my that's my biggest pet peeve with with social activism, and it's and it's not okay to just like a post or throw up a black square. It's the action in one month, three months, six months, twelve months that actually changes. Right. So good. Very good. That's impressive, and that's that's not easy too. You took a hit on the book tour, you took a hit on the <laughs> launch. And now you're taking a hit on the, on the revenue. You're not a bad, I don't know who thinks you're an evil person. Who, who <laughs> thinks <you're a>
1: bad? <laughs> I don't know that anyone thinks I'm evil. Just, I do, you know, I do want things the way I want them and I can be definitely tough.
0: That's fine. That's no, I'm sure no problem with that. would,
1: I'm sure my husband would say I can be tough as well.
0: <laughs> no, very good. Um, If you could have, Uh, If you could have um, a conversation or uh, dinner with two people, alive or dead, who would they be?
1: Oh, I would definitely be my maternal grandfather, who is no longer with us. So I would love to be at dinner with him again. And um, I would say probably if that was going to be the dinner, I would want my grandmother there, too. She is alive. But um I would love to have dinner with the two of them again.
0: I love that answer. That's a really nice answer. Um I mean I could have
1: said like Madonna. I know. And like, I know. You know <laughs> that would also be really cool, by the way. Like Madonna, Buenos Caltro, that kind of thing, but
0: it just shows you it shows you what's important to you. Probably not who I
1: really you know.
0: Um and then uh uh was I just had one more question. Just trying to think of just going through my list here um, uh, what was the, uh, what was the best day in your life and what was the worst day in your life and why?
1: Oh my goodness. The, I guess I would have to say the best day in my life was the day that I met my husband because together we have two children. Um, so I guess that was the The domino, the beginning of the domino effect of um, what were other amazingly happy days in my life, were when my children were born, my two sons. Um, And what was the worst day? Did you say?
0: Yeah, the worst day, the
1: the day you just Um, having the worst day would be would have to be when my grandfather died. Yeah, he's the only really. I was very very close with him, and he's the only. Thank God, the only. Person who's very very close to me in my life who has passed away.
0: Very good. Ah, just you're you're very you're very you're very very family oriented. I just uh, I I thought that <laughs> may be the the answer, but I wasn't sure because sometimes people have incredibly hard like career days or it, it
1: depends. It oh, depends on, um you know it, I'm not you changing your exactly answer hard by hard the way.
0: <laughs> I, didn't need have,
1: I do and I, I want and you know people should know that it's not like every day is a great day. with book writing. I mean, listen, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. perfectly famous launch day <laughs> was a tough day yeah. um but in the grand scheme of what was going on in the world it was hard to feel sorry for myself you know my book's going to sell it's going to be okay life goes on I'm the only person the only person but I'm you know I'm the only person that that one day is very important to yeah um and um, I've definitely had setbacks in my career no doubt but at the end of the day, a career is a career and a job is a job. And to me, at least, what's most important is that I have a healthy family, healthy, safe family.
0: Good. And, and most important question is where do people go to find out more about you? Social Absolutely. website.
1: So emilyliebert.com. And you can find all of my social media and all of my book links on there, but you can also Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Emily Liebert and on Facebook at author Emily Liebert.
0: And if you're, if you're, uh, if you're listening, I'm just going to, it's, it's Emily. So E M I L Y and then L I E B E R T because I made the mistake of, of trying to find your website with EI. So I just wanted to clear that yes, up if L-I-E- people are trying to find it. Yes.
1: I before E except after C and um, yeah, nope. and people should reach out to me for book clubs. Um, just if you want to write me a note, I reply to every single person. If you reach out to me and I don't reply to you, that means I didn't get it for some reason because my biggest pet peeve, which you didn't ask me about, (laughs) my biggest pet peeve is when people do not reply to people's emails. Now, listen, if you're Kim Kardashian, I get that you can't reply to 5 million emails, but seeing as I'm not Kim Kardashian level yet, right now I reply to all my emails.
0: That's all for today. Thanks again for joining me on another episode of the Success Story Podcast. You can download or stream this podcast wherever podcasts are available, including iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and many others. You can also watch this podcast on YouTube. If you haven't already, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends, family, coworkers, and peers. Please leave us a rating on iTunes. It takes about 30 seconds as it allows other people to find our podcast and lets our amazing guests reach even more people with their message. And remember, any rating is fine as long as it contains five stars. I'm Scott Clary from the Success Story Podcast, signing off.